Pastor Scott and lead pastor of the river. And really glad that you're checking out our uh, online podcast and our services and hope that you are blessed by this. Certainly, if you have any questions, if you're wondering about stuff that goes on here or maybe you're checking out our website more and seeing things that you uh, are wondering whether or not you might want to participate in them, feel free. Contact us in the office. Give us a call. Send us an email. Um, we'd love to hear from you. love to answer any questions that you have. Uh, we hope that you are blessed by what you hear on, on this podcast. We hope that God's Word continues to have power in your life. And we pray that uh, God makes himself known, that you know how much he truly, truly, truly loves you. Thanks for checking us out and uh, enjoy the service. How many of you have been on a mission trip or a service trip or a a, a learning trip um, with an organization like World Renew? Raise your hand if you have ever been on a trip to Mexico, maybe you've been with MCC. Raise your hand, I want to see it, see it. Okay. Um, if you have not had the opportunity to serve in another place at some point in your life, I really want to encourage you to take that step, especially if you are at a stage of life where you don't have um, like a job anymore uh, and you have some time. It is a phenomenal way to be a part of the work that God is doing in the world. It's not the only way. But it is a great way. Uh, for me, my life was changed uh, when I was 18, and I went with a group from Caledonia Christian Reformed Church to a little village in Merida, uh, outside of Merida, Mexico, um, a place called Cauquel. And we were a part of a work. We thought we were the answer to these people's problems. Um, and as it turned out, uh, my life was, was radically changed. Um, as an 18-year-old, uh, I was working alongside of guys who called me Nicolas Cage, um, who if you've ever seen a Nicolas Cage movie, that is definitely not a compliment. <laughs> but um, I discovered, I guess they shared with me something that I, I didn't experience a lot of, uh, and that was joy. Um, we, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and they did not have much. We stayed in a, in a um, we stayed in hammocks in kind of an open area uh, with a, had a roof, but like literally chickens would run in our bedroom at night. I was terrified of the chickens, but they did not have a lot. They built us a shower. They did not have one, but they built us three walls and hung a garden hose over it so that they knew that Americans like to be clean. So they built us a shower, and they had so little, and yet they they had everything. And I remember leaving that and coming to my church, uh, back to my church as an 18-year-old, and just saying, like, you know, I want what they have. I want what they have. Um, Joy, kindness, opening their lives and their homes, generosity, I want that. And so they, they were kind of my mentors as an 18-year-old about how to live a life kind of unchained to stuff and, and not being consumed by the pursuit of things and, and you know, accumulating my own little kingdom, 
Um, these people showed me how to just give it away. And so I, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't had the opportunity, if you're, if you're retired maybe and you've got a week or a month or something, you know, World Renew does this. They, they put people in places and it will change you. Not that you need to be changed. I'm not like assuming you need to be changed, but it'll change you for the better. We are starting a series this Lent on the fruit of the Spirit. We're calling it Life on the Vine. Jesus uses the metaphor of himself as the vine, and we are the branches, branches that have, through Christ, been grafted into him. And we're looking at what the fruit of a community that's connected to the Holy Spirit will be. It's a little bit of a weird thing to study the fruit of a vine. But that's what we're going to be doing over the next seven weeks. Our hope is to contrast the fruit of God's spirit with the fruit of, of sort of the spirit of the age or the spirit of the day. The, the fruit of a Christian community in contrast with sort of what the, the world might be inviting us to produce or become. Okay, so we're going to kind of hold those two things in contrast. And our passage this morning comes from James chapter 3. You can turn in your Bible to James 3, 13 through 18. You'll see the extensive notes that I have left you this morning. They're, the page is blank. Hopefully that's not because we have nothing to say. But as of like two days ago when Rachel needed the notes... I was really struggling. And so, as of three hours ago, I was struggling. And my prayer is just that God has something for you this morning. We took love and joy and we put them on the backside. This morning we're going to talk about peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. How many of you need some peace this morning? Anybody need peace? Good. Yes, I do too. So James 3, starting at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds or, or by the fruit, done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James is going to contrast two types of wisdom. Wisdom that's sort of of the world, and then wisdom that comes from a life submitted to God. But, Here's the world wisdom. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, and here comes sort of the fruit of those things. There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, from a life submitted to God, from a life grafted into the vine, is first of all pure and then peace-loving and considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. 
In your Bible, keep going with me a little bit. A few more verses. Three more verses. It's not on the screen, so just listen. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? I love that. The desires that battle within you. You want something, but don't get it. We kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You ask with selfish motives. Fifty years ago, there was a couple from Canada. It wasn't Joe and Shirley who are here visiting from there. It was a missionary couple. And they went, they wanted to go with a group called Pioneers to people who were unreached, who had never heard the name of Jesus. And they went to a place in Papua New Guinea. Don Richardson, you've heard of him. Fifty years ago, uh, the world was a different place, and this was a tremendous, tremendous task. It still would be today, but it feels like the world is a little smaller, and so we travel more. But 50 years ago, they went with a seven-month-old down a river into the heart of a jungle to share the gospel with a people known as the Sawi. Now, the, the Sawi were a, a tribe, but they had fractured over the years, and so there are actually three different groups of these people. And the Richardsons, when they got there, discovered that the Sawi were cannibalistic. They ate people. They killed and murdered and then, as sort of a final insult, consumed their enemy. There was within them this violent impulse, this impulse to destroy their neighbor, to ruin the life of their enemy. And the Richardsons, uh, for eight to ten hours a day, Don Richardson would, would sit with people and try to learn the language. Uh, there were 19 verb tenses in Sawi. How many do we have in English? English teachers? Former English teachers? Anybody? I don't know. But I don't think we have 19, do we? All right. 19 different verb tenses. The guy would sit for 8 to 10 hours a day trying to speak their language, trying to learn their language, listening to them, documenting over and over. Mrs. Richardson uh, provided medical care in the community, and, and she was a tremendous gift. But they were living in a war zone. People were, were killing their neighbor, consuming them, and, and they were raising a son in the midst of this violent culture. The Richardsons got to a point with the Sawi where they were afraid for their own life. Don had finally figured out uh, 
how to share the gospel. He, he, over the course of years, had learned the language enough to share the gospel story with the people. And when he did, they said, we love it. We love Judas. He's dynamite. The guy, the guy betrayed Jesus, which was a huge value in their culture, the art of betrayal. He got the money, and Jesus died. Judas is a hero. And Donald's like, yeah, that's not the point of the story. He shared the message, and it sort of backfired. And they got to the point where they were frustrated. They sought peace, but there wasn't any. And so they said to the Saudi, we can't stay here. We can't raise our, our children in this culture. We can't do it. Is there no way, is there no way to bring reconciliation and peace to the tribes? For those of you who know the story, know what happens next. The tribal leaders came to them and they said, there is one way. And it is for each tribal leader to take a child, a son, and to offer that son to the other tribe. If we do that, then our people become their people. If we offer each other our children, then there will be peace. And a light went on in Don Richardson's mind. He watched the ceremony. There's footage of it. It's phenomenal. I would encourage you to YouTube it. There's footage of this ceremony of of these children being passed from one tribe to the other. And tribes that had sought to sort of deceive each other, that had sought their own gain, that had deceived and lied and killed and eaten each other literally, were coming to a place of peace. Don Richardson used this analogy, and he said, within, inherent within cultures is a redemptive metaphor that God has planted to share the good news of the gospel of what he has done. And so he said, what you have done for each other, God has done for you. You offered a peace child, one to another. God has given his son, his peace child, to you as well. The war that you think is between you and God, the ways that you seek to impress him with your betrayal and deceit, are no more. God in Christ has come to you and offered you peace. He's extended You peace. Fifty years go by. Don and his sons go back to this village. They go back to the place where they sowed the gospel, the good news of peace. They go back to the place where they had shared the story that the God of the universe had offered a peace child to the tribes. And the people on the shores Greet them with dancing. 
they have a ceremony where other tribes come to the Sawi. They come to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at this ceremony, the people say, we're going to baptize about 50 different folks from different tribes. Don, would you help us? And he steps into the water, and he says, person after person came. He said, I was in a line of people. I baptized personally 15. We must have baptized over 300 people from different tribes. James 3, 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Fifty years later, the Richardsons show up to this tribe and baptize 300 people from neighboring tribes who through the gospel of peace, through the peace that was sown through the work of the Richardsons, through the peace of God's son, came to a saving knowledge in Jesus. Hey, we all, we all want peace, but the reality is, James says, there are these warring things inside of us. There are these things pulling at us from within. There are desires and things that we pursue that stand in direct conflict. We may not eat each other. We may not seek to deceive each other intentionally. But there are things within each of us, lies, that lead to division, that lead to discord. Two times the author talks about bitter envy. Envy, the proverb says, rots our bones. Selfish ambition, the pursuit of things for our own gain, for our own, in 4 verse 2, pleasure. How often don't we say to ourselves in the pursuit of peace, when I get this, then I will be happy. Or maybe another way, when I have this, then I will find peace. Anybody ever say that to yourself? I certainly do. When I am done preaching today, then I will find some rest for my soul. When I am done with this job one more year, then I will have peace. When I have a child, then I will know peace. When I have a new job, then I'll have peace. When my kids finally do the thing that I wanted them to do, sleep through the night, then I will have peace. When I get this or that or the other thing, then I will know peace. But the word in the text over and over is not that peace is something that's coming The word in the text is that peace is something that's here. Listen to some of these 
lines from, from different books of the Bible. The angels from heaven come in Luke. The angels come. Heaven comes. And heaven comes with a song. And the song is glory to God in the highest. Here, what? Peace to men, to humanity, on whom God's favor rests. Here, peace. Not later. Now. Ephesians 1 verse 2, Paul's greeting to this church in Ephesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians, I'm sorry, Galatians 1.3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude 2. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Revelation 1.4, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Ephesians 2 says, Jesus removed the hostility that existed between God and humanity and humanity in general. In himself, he brought them together. So now all that's left is peace. Both to those who are, it says in Ephesians, far off and to those who are near. Peace to those who have no idea that God is predisposed to offer them peace. Peace to the Sowi who eat each other and deceive and kill and destroy. Peace to my neighbor who plays their music way too loud when I'm trying to sleep. Peace to the other neighbor whose dogs bark consistently through the night. Or the other one whose cats do all sorts of things in my yard that I don't know why they're doing that in my yard. Peace to them. Peace to my coworker who talks mad trash behind my back. Peace to my children who continually don't do what I expect them to do. Peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. Peace is not something that's coming in God's vision for humanity. He says, peace is yours. Here it is. Open it up. Receive it. Now, why can it be so absent in my life, in our lives? Why is it so hard? Half of college students suffer, they say, from some form of anxiety or depression. I have fought that battle. It is a hell. Unlike any hell I have personally ever walked through. And if you battle depression or anxiety, I want you to know you're not alone. As a community, a Christian community, nationally, we haven't done a great job talking about it. But you are not alone. 
And if you are in that place right now, I just want to say peace to you. Peace to you. As a society, we are torn, we are ripped, we are pulled apart by a continual thirst and hunger for more. We mask greed as something like ambition. We mask the continual accumulation of stuff for ourselves, which James says is evil, is not wisdom. We mask it as some sort of like great American trait. Pursue more, get more, accumulate more, build a bigger castle for yourself. When the author says, no, 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 the pursuit of selfish ambition, that's, that's envy, greed. That's not, that's not from God. That is a part of the native cultural flori of our, of our place that we live. That's part of the broken piece of humanity. The fruit of God's spirit is peace. Um, this week I was in a conversation with somebody who we were talking about peace and just said, like, I need to hear that right now. Um, just said, this is, this, is, this is what I need today. I need to hear peace. I need to hear that God reigns, that I do not, that his word for me is, is love. So maybe, um, maybe you're, you're in a place where you've just been really busy. You've been really busy, and you, you know, you, maybe you haven't connected, been able to connect with your spouse, and so both of you kind of feel like really vulnerable. And despite the fact that like you're working, or maybe you're even both working, there never seems like there's enough money in the bank to do what you want to do. Like you're trying to save a little, you maybe take a vacation, or you're paying for Christian school, or you're, you want to give more to local charity, but you, there's like never enough, and so it just tears at you. There's like this battle inside you. You want these things, but you can't get them. You don't even really have time to think about some of those things, though, because uh, you have an appointment for like a twitch. I was talking to somebody this week who said, yeah, I have this twitch my eye and I think it's stress related I was like I had that actually I had the same thing it's the stress that you're under and you're worried about it but you're trying not to think about it and God's word is peace or maybe you're a student you have like exams coming up or like a big twerp dance, and you wonder if anyone's going to invite you to go. You have papers due, and then maybe you get like a text from a friend who's mad because they saw this Instagram pic of you, and they're like, how come you didn't invite me? And you try to explain them, well, it wasn't really like an invite thing, it just happened, and then we took an Instagram pic, and you saw it, and now you're angry at me, and 
you text him back that you didn't want to leave him out, but now it's weird between you. And so like there's this thing being torn inside you and you get home after a really long practice and you walk inside and you're starving and you say, what's for dinner? And your mom looks at you and says, I haven't seen you all day and all you can think about is what's for dinner? And you throw your bag on the floor and say, I'm sorry. And right when you do that, you get a text from this girl or guy who you're kind of interested in And they're like, hey, I thought we were going to meet at 7 o'clock down at the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Where are you at? We got to go to such and such a thing and, you know, study for whatever. And you say, Mom, I'm really sorry. I can't talk right now. I got to go to Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. And you just feel torn in a thousand different places as you rush out the door. Your heart's just like all over the place. Anybody? Or maybe you're getting older And you're realizing the people you really want to spend time with, your family, your kids, maybe your grandkids even, they're they're mostly unavailable for you. You've called and you left messages. But you don't want to nag. You don't want to pester them because you know that they're really busy. They have really busy lives. And you pray for them often but you don't feel a great connection with them. Sometimes at your worst moments, you have these moments where you're just like, nobody's thinking about me. You feel forgotten. Sometimes you feel unheard when you're together. And you maybe even at times mutter things like, I would be just better off if I was with the Lord. Or you've heard someone you love say something like that. New things give out in your body every day. There are parts of you that you didn't even realize you had until they're no longer working. You think about calling your daughter or son, but you're sure that she's going to give you an earful for maybe missing out on your grandkids' game or maybe you even forgot a birthday or something. But the reality is, you were just totally exhausted. You're thinking about a trip during the summer to go visit an aging brother or sister-in-law, and you're wondering, is it worth the energy? Is it worth the energy and the effort? And you go through the checklist. And, And in that place, God says, peace. Peace be with you. Grace and peace be yours. As a fruit of God's spirit, peace comes as we remain in him. That's what it says in John 15. Peace, that fruit, comes as we remain in him, as we walk into our identity as his kids. We move forward in faith and in trust. And and as we take those steps and say, God, I am yours, then the peace, then the peace comes. I was thinking recently about peace and that it's maybe a silly thing to pray for. 
And maybe we shouldn't pray for peace anymore in our lives and even in in the world. Maybe we should just stop praying for it. We should just stop altogether asking God for peace and asking God to bring peace and asking God to, to restore things that are broken. Maybe we should, we should kind of just give up on, on that, on, on praying for it. Because essentially, God in Christ has said what? I can't do more than I have done in the way of peace. I've offered you everything. All that I have is yours. Even my very own son. I've given you my spirit, my presence with you. I've given you each other to walk with. My word is peace. It is my gift. It's the invitation. It's the call. It's, it's the way that I'm inviting you to walk in the world. So walk this way. Open the gift. Sometimes maybe um, it just means we, we sit a little longer in the morning until it, it sinks in. There was a, a friend of mine who went to um, a village in Africa and there was a tree in this village. In this tree, there was a bench. And she asked the people, what is the bench for? And they said, oh, that's when people are discouraged. They go sit on the bench. And she said, why? She said, well, then other people come to that bench. No matter how long they're there, somebody will come, and they'll sit with them, and they'll encourage them. They'll, they'll sit with them at that place under that tree and they'll listen and they'll bless and they'll offer peace. Man, maybe we need a bench as a community where we can sit to encourage one another. The peace in Christ has already come. He's already offered it to us. Let's sit in it. Together, let's know it. Let's work towards sowing it in the world. And as we do, James says, those folks who sow peace, the fruit of it is righteousness. They reap a harvest of righteousness, like like the Richardsons, like so many of you who walk in this world in peace. May we continue to know the peace of Christ. May it rule our hearts. Amen. Let's pray. God, you have said peace. You have made peace on a cross. You have took the place of the victim, of an innocent one. You have returned from death, and the first words out of your mouth to your friends 
where peace be with you. You have said it. But the reality is we don't always hear it. We don't always feel it in our bones. We don't always have the courage to work toward it in the world. And so we we need your, your grace. We need friends who would walk with us as peacemakers. God, would you make us those friends? Would you make us those people? Continue to make us a body that's not fractured by discord, by the pursuit of selfish ambition. It's not fractured by envy. But God, a people that are one, who come together because of the blood of Christ, and who live in peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.